You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Mike Chappell is here. I am Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins joining us on the board as well. We'll start with a little bit of news of the week around the NFL that has at least a, uh, a Colts connection, Mike, sort of, indirectly. And that is the fact that uh, Carolina Panthers all-pro linebacker Luke Keekley, after eight, I believe, NFL seasons, seasons, is retiring from the NFL just because of the the wear and tear on his body, the wear and tear on his mind. He, he, he is done, and he is undeniably, right now, currently, one of the best linebackers in the league. He is leaving at his peak. He is leaving at the his peak um, physically, you would say, his peak... Um, Money making wise, that he could. I think I saw he made like sixty three million dollars, with more to come. Yeah, he he had many more, just like very much, just like Andrew Luck. Of course, Colts fans will point out that Keekley is making this retirement in January, not in August. That is the <laughs> the big red flag difference, clearly in these situations. But it's still Mike is kind of a topic that has had light cast upon it over the past couple months, really starting with Andrew Luck's retirement and. More so, this is something that we're going to have to pay attention to moving forward, that some guys, after eight, nine years, instead of pushing things when they're all pro level to 16 and then kind of winding down your career like that, they're going to be done earlier. Anthony Costanzo. Exactly. You, I mean, you bring I mean, up the name right now. If you, if you watched the video that the Panthers put out with Keekley, th- this, this, was, this was done uh, with great emotion and after great thought. And this is one of those guys that w- when you say, what do you do? He- he's a football player. Mm-hmm. I mean, w- we could argue that, that that's not what luck is, what luck was. This guy lived and breathed uh, football, yet he's been he's dealt with injury primarily, I think primarily, the concussions. And I don't know how many he's had. If he had four, if he was diagnosed with four, he, he might probably, have had eight. He probably had eight. Yeah. I mean, yes. But so for, for a player of his – that's wired like him to walk away uh, again from, from the, it was about a three minute video. And from the very first second, you know, the, the red eyes and the, and the hesitant in the voice, this wasn't easy. So, you know, that after talking to his family, I think he said, he had a, I don't think he's married. He had a girlfriend he mentioned, but they thought that this is what you need to do. And there have been a handful of Patrick Willis might've walked away early as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we've got Anthony Costanzo, and he says personal reasons. Now, his again, we're left to speculate on his what's in his decisions, but I don't believe it's as much physical with Costanzo. When when I say physical, I mean you know seven knee surgeries and four right. concussions. Now, now he's dealt with injuries like everyone does. Well, once you show up for OTAs in mid-April, from that day on, you're never 100. percent You mm. just aren't mm-hmm. because the body, you know, there's attrition. But and again, I I hesitate to say this is a trend because it is it is you know Gronkowski was is another one, mm-hmm. uh, but it's such a a small number of players, and it's that small number that's in a position to do this. There may be a, a third string linebacker in Jacksonville that would like to do this, and he can. He's not made sixty three million dollars. He's not made what Luck made. But this just shows you that players who are in a financial position to do this 
uh, I'm not going to say we'll hesitate because it's obvious that this was a tough decision. But if this is an option and it makes sense for them, they're going to do it. And again, I keep coming back to Anthony Costanzo. In the next few weeks or months, the Colts month singular, hmm. the Colts need to know what this guy is going to do. And and we talked about this last week. If you're thinking about retiring, take it serious. Right. If if you're the team or, or the fan base, so we'll see where this goes. But I, I guess I'm surprised by Keekley only because it's Keekley. And my goodness, you know, guys play. You know, people play. 12, 14 years, mm-hmm. but the, the, the toll this has taken on his body, you know, f- from injury and concussion-wise was, was rather obvious. I, I'm wondering if this is something that will become, or if it hasn't already, a, a, a talking point among uh, front office members or scouts when you're interviewing players coming into the league, like for the draft. You'll say, hey, what other interests do you have besides football? I'm sure that this is something that they talk about, obviously, already, but... Now that's got to be in the back how of guys' head. How invested are you? Exactly. Like, just how invested are people? Because, because we're seeing guys like you brought up Gronkowski, guys just at the peak of their ability right now. We've seen this over the years. It's not like it's the first time for it to ever happen. Barry Sanders, Robert Smith, a couple guys Calvin that come Johnson. to my mind immediately. Robert, of course, Calvin Johnson. It, it just seems like there's a little bit of a snowballing effect. You say you hesitate to call it a trend right now. I don't know. I might say that it's the beginning of a trend. Like I, I maybe we're not like right in the middle of it, but oh, I'll, I'll I'll give you that it's a trend when players not in position to do this, yeah, do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing is, I understand one of the big things that, that GMs and teams do at the combine and, and at at pro days is they try to do the the mental, you know, the the, the uh, Psychologicals and how you're wired, and I, I've got to think if you go back to Luke Keekley's combine, you walk away thinking, "Man, this guy's a football football player." Yeah, he, he, he's, like he's going to be on our team for the next twenty years. Correct. <laughs> uh, and, and then this happens. Now, would you've got the same feeling with Andrew Luck? I don't know. I, I, I we've we've always thought this guy was a li- a little different, mm-hmm. not in a bad way. No, just just I I never got the impression Andrew Luck was a lifer. I I just didn't. And there are players that come through there that I think, yeah, this guy's going to be here as long as his body will hold out. Reggie Wayne, I've been talking to Reggie Wayne about the Hall of Fame, which we'll talk about in, in the coming in, weeks. In a couple of weeks, yes. And and he quit playing because his body quit on him. Mm-hmm. He had the ACL, then he had an elbow, and and then it was just time. But he still went fourteen years, right. of course. So it took a while for his right. body. Right, and to we're go talking out. we're talking Keekley with eight. I think Calvin Johnson may have played eight, eight or nine. I eight think right nine. in that range. So uh, it, it's. I, I still think I'm not saying it's a trend yet, because uh, until people who can't afford to walk away walk away, I, I think it's just going to be that select few that are in a position who who've made monster money and, and you know they've got enough money for their kids and their grandkids and their and their great grandkids. But uh, when someone of the, of this level who so now the question is so I saw somebody put out on Twitter is he a Hall of Famer? Well, you'd say probably, but he played eight years. Right. In, in longevity, it, it matters. And, and when you walk away early, if that's the right word, then then you've put yourself out there. Is Calvin Johnson a Hall of Famer playing eight or nine years? We'll see. But Tony Baselli played six years. Yep. Six years plus. And is that enough? Even if you were the best player at the time. So that, and again, that wasn't even remotely on Keekley's mind when he did this. 
but uh, I just want to see how this thing is moving forward, and primarily with Anton Costanzo. Hmm. And we'll get into a little bit more on Costanzo in a bit when we discuss Colts impending free agents. But one thing that we've been putting off the past couple of weeks that I think I've teased like four weeks in a row, it seems like, is a uh, Colts postseason award. So we got to get into that. The uh, what you would give to um, certain players for this past season certainly a disappointment when you look back on it, especially after the start the Colts had, but. Couple players deserve some postseason honors from us. Congratulations from Fox Fifty Nine CBS Four. Obviously, the uh, best uh, possible. Will there be like an, a reward or a letter or you know money? They'll, they'll have to listen to the Colts Blue Zone podcast <laughs> to find out exactly. You have to be present to uh, accept exactly. your award. So um, we will run down. Here's a list of uh, of player awards or uh, not so awards that we will be uh, discussing over the next couple minutes. That is Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year. Most improved player, most disappointing player, whether that's he regressed or for whatever reason, 2020 bounce back candidate and 2020 breakout player. So all those honors given by the uh, esteemed panel here of Joe Hopkins, Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths from the Indianapolis Colts. And we'll start with offensive player of the year. We've discussed plenty about offensive MVP, and that's a little different. Like, who's the guy outside of quarterback that is... um, maybe the most valuable to the offensive success. And Mike, we've discussed this and you said you've discussed it with other media members, whether it's Anthony Costanzo, I'm still, I'm still a Hilton, guy. And, and I completely understand that. I think you can make cases for both of those two guys, Hilton and Costanzo, but this is a little bit different. It is offensive player of the year. So who was on the offensive side of the ball had the best year. And so Mike, why don't you kick us off and we will get going uh, with offensive player of the year. Oh, Marlon Mack. I just think that, the, the the most rushing yards by a Colt since 2005, what he brought to the offense. Uh, I, I guess I could have gone to the offensive line, but if we're going to go player, I thought Marlon Mack had a, had a nice breakout season and was the focal point when you figured the team could hardly throw the football. And they needed every yard that he got right. because you said they, they weren't gaining yards through the air, not as much this year, not nearly And he ran against the stack box most of the time, yep. too. Yeah, and, and, and I'll agree. I also would honor Marlon Mack with our player of the year. 247 carries, 1,091 yards. He averaged 4.4 yards per carry, uh, scored eight touchdowns. Didn't do quite as much in the passing game, but that's because really Naheem Hines is that right. guy for the Colts. I think Marlon Mack has that ability in his arsenal. And I personally would love to see the Colts open that up a little bit more. And when Marlon's in there, do work the screen game a little bit more and see where that takes you. Right. But nevertheless, he still has stellar on the ground and was good out of the backfield when he was 11th called in upon. rushing, I believe, in the league. Mm-hmm. 11th overall. And played 14 games. So he missed two games this year. Could have been a little bit better. Took a fractured hand, though. It wasn't a hammy. It wasn't. No. So this guy played. He that, showed up and he played. And. Based on his history of having several, it was hamstring right. pulls, I think, in the and past few years. He missed six games the first two years, hamstring, and yeah. maybe both years was a hamstring. Yeah, I think it was. And so get that soft tissue junk out of here. It was, like you said, a fractured hand. That's something that a running back really can't right. play through at all and something that is not a, a wear and tear right. um, like the hamstring issue. Joe, what do you think? Um, I think Marlon Mack's a great choice. And, you know, talking about the injuries, he played through several things this year, whether it be ankle or sore mm-hmm. calf. He was on the injury report for several weeks. Uh, I'm going to go just for the sake of bringing up someone else's name, Quentin Nelson. Mm-hmm. I mean, all pro nomination, Pro Bowl nomination. Um, we saw that offensive line, how dominant it was. Even when Marlon Mack was out, the Colts are running for, you know, 100 yards. When Jonathan, Jonathan Williams. Williams. Jonathan yeah, Williams, exactly. So, 
You know, Marlon Mack's a great choice. My vote would be for Quentin Nelson, but I think you guys outrank me here, and the award goes to Marlon Mack. Two to one. I, I, I agree. But I, a- I can... award will be in the mail. That's right. <laughs> D- don't don't hold your breath. But I do I do like the Quentin Nelson pick a lot. I think I don't think he allowed a sack this year. I think his only two sacks that he allowed in his career were both last year. I think I saw that stat somewhere. But um, he he definitely I think he improved from year one to year two. That's something that I believe it was. Chris Ballard said in the post in his pro season press conference that Quentin Nelson still has another level he can get to, and that is that should be scary for NFL defenders, especially those in the AFC South having to face him. Are you looking up that stat from Quentin? Yep, zero sacks yep. allowed, only three penalties as well. Three penalties, pretty good. And I'm I don't know how many pancakes he had, but uh, he w- could open his own IHOP, I'm sure. <laughs> what one more note about Marlon Mack? He had no fumbles this year as well. That's another important thing. Playing if, the last two of their games with, with a fractured hand. Exactly. So. You don't cough that ball up; that automatically shoots you right. to the top of the uh, to the top of the charts. So, uh, our offensive player of the year, Marlon Mack, edging out Quentin Nelson uh, for that top spot. Defensive player of the year is next. Now, I think this one is one that you could certainly have a discussion over, but I still think that there. I'll go first. This one, I still think that there's one clear and obvious choice, and that is Darius Leonard. In spite of a slow start to the season. And remember talking to him after game one, saying he would grade himself with an F, you know, after that San Diego performance. And you look back on that and several missed tackles led to long plays. And that was kind of, I think, burned in a bunch of Colts fans minds just from from what I saw from them and their reactions on Twitter and asking about Darius Leonard regressing. Well, if 121 tackles, five sacks, five interceptions and two forced fumbles is regressing, then sign me up for regressing. Sure, it was less. Uh, he had 40 fewer tackles than year one. He had two fewer sacks and two fewer forced fumbles. But he also missed three games with injury. Concussion. And with his concussion. And that was surprising. I remember that. That was the, it, it just seemed weird that concussion lasted a while. But that's what concussions that's do. That's what so concussions I can't, do. I, correct. I, I, can't, I can't really High throw question four to six, Four to six week concussion. <laughs> Who, knows? Who knows? So I, I would give the nod to Darius Leonard uh, because even – even though you could say stat-wise he regressed, he's now a Pro Bowler. Hey yo, and uh, I cross that off your list. Exactly, I'd, I'd put him up there for our Defensive Player of the Year. I would agree, and the only the only thing that was that was not disappointing, but the, the, there were there were to me there were there were fewer tackles that you noticed. Uh, I thought last year he was really the tackle machine, and, and there were more tackles that there were. You walked away thinking, yeah, he really had 15 tackles. Mm-hmm. And, and this year, maybe not so much, but it, the league is about splice plays. It's about game changers. It's about the, what do you have, five, was it five sacks? Five sacks. And the interceptions and the forced fumbles. And there's the one stat I haven't got in front of me, but he's one of the, one of, is the only player with X number of sacks and, and uh, interceptions since 1982. Here it is. Yeah. Um, where was it? The stat, sacks became an official stat in 1982. 82. So he's technically the only player in NFL history with 10 sacks and five interceptions. In his first in two his seasons. First, yes, in his first 25 games. Right, right. So, and that's what you want. So many times you'll see a game, and the Colts have had this before where guys had like 14 tackles. And you're thinking, I don't remember any of them. I just, I just right. don't. So while maybe his... Uh, uh, overall splash plays as far not not splash plays but but the tackles I didn't notice as much but give me a guy that can that can change games with interceptions and sacks and for in force fumbles and that's still what he get now the only the only player that 
I might want to mention in here, and he's not the player of the year, but maybe the guy that, that could have pushed him was Kenny Moore. And I thought this defense took a nosedive when Kenny Moore missed the last, whatever it was, month. Five I agree. Weeks Total nosedive. With, uh, was it a hamstring? I'm trying to think of what it was. Uh, I thought it was lower than that. I thought it was something ankle. ankle. Yeah. Whatever. But, but they, they really, really missed him. But that if Leonard is one and he is, then then there was a big gap uh, to, to Kenny Moore. But I think that was an easy choice. Joseph, I thought the guy you were going to say was um, Justin Houston with eleven sacks. Um, he was, you know, sat wise as a defensive end. You'll take eleven sacks every year. But oh yeah, I got to agree. Darius Leonard is a freak. One of the, you know, now that Keekley's out, Darius Leonard, one of the maybe the best linebacker in the league. Bobby Wagner in Seattle's up there, but. Mm-hmm. Five sacks and five interceptions is just ridiculous in 13 games. I mean, he got the touchdown against Tampa Bay, seven passes defended. If he plays the full season, I mean, his statistics might be better than they were as a rookie. <laughs> and, and they're going to game plan to put him in a position to do this. Right. You know, it's similar to Derek Brooks, what Tampa did. So I just think this is a guy that, again, I'll harp on this, game-changing plays. That's what you want. You want what, you know, Darius calls them splice plays. And thus far in two seasons, that's that's what he's given the Colts. And here, here's another stat for you, that uh, there are only five players in NFL history. So, again, since uh, stats became official in 1982, five players in NFL history with 120 tackles, five sacks, and five interceptions in one season. And that's what Darius did. Those other uh, The other players are uh, Levante David with Tampa Bay. He did that back in 2013. Uh, Rodney Harrison as a safety did so with San Diego back in the year 2000. So that's even before his um, before his New England days. Uh, Wilbur Marshall of the Redskins in 1991. And if people don't remember that season for Wilbur Marshall, it was it was an unbelievable year when the Redskins went to that Super Bowl and won that Super Bowl, beat the Bills in 1991. I guess it was the 92 Super Bowl, but it was the 91 season. Marshall was was an absolute freak that year. And then Brian Urlacher of Chicago. So First that, battle Hall of Famer. Exactly. So th- there's your list right there. That um, when, when, when your list is five players, yeah. it's, it's a pretty good list. And, and like you said, what sets them apart there is, is the splash plays. It's the right. sacks. It's the interceptions. There's a lot of guys in the NFL who have had 120 tackles uh, over over the course of a season, but but five of them had and, and the the versatility in their game to both go after the quarterback right. and hang back in coverage and get a couple interceptions to go with it. So um, it truly it was a remarkable season for Darius Leonard, even though maybe it didn't have the same panache you would say as year one. So Darius gets our choice um, unanimously. Right. Darius Leonard, uh, Kenny Moore, and uh, Justin, Justin Houston. Houston certainly both deserving uh, of mention as well. So uh, glad to have both those guys at least in the discussion. So we will continue on with Rookie of the Year. Colts did not have a first-round draft pick this year, traded away from Chris Boward, but still it was a very defensive-oriented draft. Uh, just one offensive skill player taken and then two more offensive tackles in the seventh round. Some... Uh, Undrafted rookies made a little bit of an impact. We continued the uh, day one roster uh, with undrafted an undrafted rookie on that 53-man, even though Hale Henches didn't make it all the way through with the Colts at tight end. I think he's with someone else, though. I think he went to uh, Washington or the Giants. He went to, or, wa- he went to yeah. Washington, I think. So he was on somebody else's roster right. there for a while. But nevertheless, uh, Colts Rookie of the Year. Joe, we are on to you to start things off, so why don't you go? I got to go with... Uh, Kari Willis here, third on the team in tackles with 71. Um, the way he was able to surpass Gathers as a starter, 
um, even in a season where Gathers stayed pretty healthy, at, definitely by his standards. So, um, you know, he didn't have any interceptions, no sacks, three tackles for a loss. Um, but I just thought he was a really solid to be able to come in as a fourth round rookie. He was impressive. Mm-hmm. Mike, same same here. I, I would I, I would give Rocky Scene some, some push there, but until he gets his penalties mm-hmm. cleaned up. But yeah, I, I think Kahari Willis. He, they they ask a lot from their safeties. Fourteen starts, nine games, or fourteen games, nine starts. Uh, and, and again, you look at the list: Rocky Scene, Ben Banigou, Paris Campbell, Bobby Okariki. He's going to be a player, so but but I, I think Kari Willis is is it had, had the best rookie season. I, I want to at least throw in one more name here, and I I don't think that it would get many votes. And if Chase you McLaughlin, ask, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. But I was going to say someone else. Um, I don't I don't think if you ask Colts Nation, this guy would get more than like one half of one percent of the vote. But um, Ashton Doolin had a really good year on special teams as the gunner. And specifically, this is something that we talked about last preseason about that position when we were talking about filling in the roster and how the Colts exactly or who they were going to keep here and there. And they let Chris Milton walk a cornerback. He was a core guy. Yeah, he was a core special teams guy. Fourth down army. He was the gunner. And I talked about him last year about he helped win that Giants game at the end of, I guess, not this past season, but two seasons ago when he downed a ball, downed a kick from Rigo inside the five yard line. Then the Colts defense held. They got the ball back. They were able to go down and score the winning touchdown. Um, and that wasn't just the only play that, that Milton made on that team. He was he was instrumental on the punt return team and on the kickoff team. And Doolin stepped in as a wide receiver, undrafted free agent and took over that role. And you saw him down there making plays inside the five, inside the 10-yard line to, to down or being right there to make sure that the opposing punt returner could not bring the ball back. So I want him at least in the discussion, even though I think Kari Willis probably does have to get the nod eventually. But the one thing that Kari didn't have and is what, what we talked about with Darius Leonard was splash plays. Like you said, uh, no interceptions for him. He had three tackles for loss. That's not bad for a safety, for a box safety. That's okay. Um, he certainly didn't play the entire year as the starter, so maybe he could have if he got a little bit more play in there, but he has surplanted Clayton Gathers now. He is the guy alongside Malik Hooker moving forward, assuming that no free agents or other draftees are brought in to take over that spot. You can expect Kari Wills to be the starter at the strong safety moving forward. So I Agreed. think Kari has got, he, he's got to be your choice for this. So, um, I, I'm glad you, uh, you uh, appeased my discussion of Ashton <laughs> Doolin here as Colts Rookie of the Year, guys. Thank you very much. Um, next choice is most improved player. The Colt that improved the most, you can say over the course of the year or from last year to this year, that's fine. You can make your argument, and then uh, we can have a knockdown drag out maybe at the end if we don't all agree. But, Mike, why don't you go first? We're on to you. Most improved Colts player from the 2019 season. I would probably say Zach Pascal, and it was forced upon him. You know, I, we sat here and we've talked before. As I remember going in, in uh, late August in the press room, we always come up with our 53-man roster. And a lot of us had Zach not making the roster because of the of the of what we thought was a very, very deep position. And I thought he just – he was asked to do so much when, when the injuries hit the position, and I thought he excelled, uh, did more than maybe they thought he would do. So I think they've got a – very solid complimentary receiver with Zach, and I thought he really took that big step this year. He was instrumental in the Colts being 
at least average in the passing game. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a compliment, but it is. It, it is. what he did. I think he had six games this year, and I think he played in every game, too. I think he was healthy throughout, so that's, that's a plus. I think it was six games where he had four or more catches, and in a year where T.Y. Hilton was battling injuries and fighting just to be out there and to be able to at least run a route and uh, stay healthy and stay on the field, uh, having Pasco out there was was... Crucial. Forty-one for catches, six hundred and seven yards, and five touchdowns. Five touchdowns is a good, right. good amount. That's right. a good year for a receiver. Decent Correct. year for a receiver. So I, I would agree that Zach Pascal gets my most improved. Maybe it's because he was just thrust into more of the spotlight, right. and he certainly was. He but, was given, but 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 he but he stood up to the spotlight. Exactly, he did. So he proved that he's not just a blocking wide receiver. He can which go he, out which there. Which he is. He's a very good one. He's a very good one. Right. But he can catch the ball too, Joe. Pascal's definitely a great candidate. I mean, oh, he's going somewhere else. You mentioned the 600 yards. That's up from just 268 the year before. Um, there's Who would have won it, I think, unanimously, had he stayed healthy, was Kamoko Ture. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy was really, um, really coming on, had a strong start to the season, one and a half sacks, lots of pressures, very unfortunate injury. Um, hopefully he can come back in 2020. I think another guy worth mentioning is Grover Stewart. He made mm-hmm. 13 starts after just one in his previous two seasons. Um, all three of his career sacks came in this season, so he really took a big step forward this year. But I got to agree. The, the obvious choice is Zach Pascal. I just wanted to mention a couple of other mm-hmm. guys who might go under the radar. Grover Stewart's another one that was thrust into the spotlight a little bit more because of somebody who, some guys who might be our most disappointing player, at least not nominees in there. But yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I, I think he's very similar in the vein to... Um, uh, to Zach Pascal, Pascal gets a little bit more attention because he gets the ball in his hands, you know. But Grover needed to. He was another guy out of necessity that needed to step in and play more because the guys in front of him, for him, the guys in front of him weren't producing. It wasn't injury-oriented. For Zach, it was injury-oriented. And it's crazy to think that if Darius Fountain doesn't go down in the preseason with, with an injury, then maybe Zach Pascal is not on this roster. But Right. And, and who knows what would have happened there. Like, Darius could have had... Could have had the same type of season. The same we'd be talking about him at this point of the year. But uh, nevertheless, I, I I I think that Joe, you bring up a couple of good points. I, and I am eager to see what what Kamoko does next year, for sure. That's a guy that we could uh, talk about a little bit later at another award uh, as well. But so our most improved player, Zach Pascal, does get the nod uh, in spite of several other players who ha- who were deserving. Uh, the next one. Joe, Sorry. you have autoplay on there talking about, golly, sakes alive. And to talk about Charles Woodson, talking too. Talking about most disappointing rookies. On a Colts podcast, we bring up Charles Woodson, who stole a Heisman Trophy from Peyton Manning. How dare you? Goodness gracious. He's gonna, he's gonna Can't suck. wait to edit that out. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Who the heck's Dave's talking about? All right, so anyway, we move on to most disappointing player or player who regressed from one year to another. Um, my goodness! Is this, yeah, is this is this my turn now to to open things up? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll get a long list. I'm gonna yeah, hear you go there, with. There are there are quite a few players, and <laughs> I, I'll I'll <laughs> I have this is like uh, what's it called? Um, oh, uh, what is it? Festivus. Yeah, I, I have I have many uh I have many grievances <laughs> against you you people. I have many grievances against the 2019 Colts, but the one player I probably have the most grievances with is none other than tight end Eric Ebron. And that's probably mostly because uh, of his regression from 2018 to 2019. 2018, he was stellar. Obviously, Andrew Luck has a has a or the absence of Andrew Luck plays a role in this. But his stats 
they literally cut in half in terms of yardage and receptions from 66 and 750 in 2018 to 31 and 375 this year and touchdowns going all the way down from thir- excuse me from 13 down to 3 that's it three touchdowns from Eric Ebron after all that offseason bluster talking about breaking the tight end touchdown record and he comes out and lays an absolute egg in 2019 so ebron's my choice and i'll let you guys talk about whoever you pick and then we can discuss the uh the litany of players who could be up for this award yeah i, I go down my list you know vinitary which i i know that's where joe's going uh i've got ebron taekwon lewis you know when when are you going to step up quincy wilson you know he, he disappeared from being a possible starter uh Deion kane yeah. Uh, possibility, but Ebron is such. When you go from Pro Bowl to what most people believed is he is he walked out on his team on bad ankles, although walked out on his team and onto the golf course. Right. Uh, you talk about optics, but when you when you do when you post that you're going to go play golf, and then you inform the team that you're having ankle surgery. Uh, yeah, this was this was this to me. I think is an easy one. Uh, because so much was expected, uh, I remember us talking uh, in in going into the season, and I said the one player I want to have my eye on to pay attention on is Ebron. How does he respond to his career year, and what happens if things don't go well for some reason? Whether whether you know no one expected it, luck to walk away, but how would some players are front runners? They just are. And when there are ba- when there are hard times, uh, how will that player respond? So I, I think this is I've got it five or six candidates. Eric Ebron is number one with a bullet. I think it's pretty obvious, in my opinion, that it's Adam Vinatieri. Of I course, mean, you the do. Fourteen missed kicks, several of them costing games. I think it was fifteen. Was it fourteen? I think it was fourteen. That's okay. what I that's what I right. really looked up. Yeah, eight field goals and six extra okay. points, I believe. But um, yeah, with Ebron. I feel like we kind of expected it, you know. Jack Doyle was out the year before, so Ebron got a lot more targets. And, you know, going from Luck to Brissett is an obvious downgrade. So I I think we kind of all knew Ebron wasn't going to repeat the same fluke season, I'll call it, in 2018. But I didn't think he was going to be a Wiley Coyote off the cliff. I (laughs) didn't think he was either. But, But you look at his stats, I mean, obviously going on IR is in a good optics and quitting on his team as many have called it. But that that's part of the reason his stats are lower is he missed, you know, the second, what, five, five games. games. He, well, yeah, he played 11. Yeah. So, you know, Ebron's definitely right up there, but I kind of expected him to be a little more disappointing this year. Whereas I thought Adam Vinatieri was going to continue to be reliable where he was not in whether knee or anything, he was still disappointing. I, I can't argue that. No, nope. but I, I stick with Ebron, but I, I think Vinny's a close second. They're right there. Like we've said, there there are other players. There are, there are many other players that you can bring up here. I'll, I'll add a couple more that we haven't discussed yet. How about Paris Campbell? A second-round pick. Um, it's real, it might not be as much his fault with all the injuries he sustained. He could be a bad luck guy. Doesn't look like he had an injury past in college or anything like that. But, my goodness, you come in and you have surgery after surgery, not just three, little injuries three surgeries, I in your rookie year. Um, and you have to go through all that. So I, I think a lot of people were disappointed with what Paris Campbell did not do 
in his rookie year. So you can throw him in there. And two guys I alluded to when we were discussing Grover Stewart. Grover Stewart needed to come in and play in the interior defense because Marcus Hutton and Nico Autry were MIA right. completely. And that's that's a complete 180 from 2018 when those two guys were having career years. Tackles for loss, double figure tackles One for loss. One after the other after right. the other. Marcus Hunt earns an offseason contract last year, and this year they could they could let him go. They could cut Correct. him loose very much so. Um, he's not a free agent, but he could very well be. You could just let him go. See you later and take the hit and say, sorry, Marcus Hunt, this uh, this did not work out because uh, what you did this year was simply not good enough. And Autry as well. Th- there was no interior pass rush presence for the Colts this year, unlike there was the year before. Sure, you see, like we mentioned before, a guy like Justin Houston comes in and gets 11 sacks, and that's what you've been missing for a long time on this Colts defensive front, a reliable edge rusher, a guy that you can point to and get double-digit sacks. But you need something in the interior as well, man, and and they got nothing from those guys this year. So I think they definitely need to be in the mix in our discussion of most disappointing Colts. I'll give you season. one more. I'll give you one more. Uh, Pierre Desir. Mm-hmm. After getting the big contract in the offseason yep. and, and just didn't have a good year. And I think a lot of it had to do with, I believe it most of the time it was a hamstring. I think it he was, just, yeah. He just never got over it. And it, it's not an excuse, it's a reason. I think he'd be the first to tell you that this, this was not the kind of year he anticipated. Which is funny because if you look at the stat sheet alone, you know, career high three interceptions, you think, hey, oh, Pierre yeah. might have had a decent year. A couple yeah, of them came so late. Much. They did. Yeah. A couple Carolina of one was game. it? Had two against Carolina, I believe it was. Yeah, I think you're right. So, yeah, the Panthers padded the stats for, for a couple players this year. He, he, if if there's them. a team on the verge of really going down, mm-hmm. it's the Panthers. Oh, they're re- rebuilding full on. I mean, new coach, new quarterback. What do they do probably. with Newton? Yeah, exactly. So that's 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 for them to worry Not about. Not to make it a Colts quarterback, Panthers, Cam Newton, <laughs> perhaps zone. next. No, exactly. You, yeah. you think it's bad here? How about Carolina? Jeez, oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, there, there's our most disappointing player discussion. We don't have to go too much into the negatives, but there there is a there are a litany of options right there. Um, when you go Tyquan Lewis, Nico Autry, Marcus Hunt, interior defense, wide receivers, Paris Campbell, Deion Kane, Quincy Wilson, Pierre Desir in the secondary. Of course, Eric Ebron and um, Adam Vinatieri will certainly top the list. And since both of us said Ebron, Joe, I'm sorry, uh, it's going to tip the scales away from Adam, even though it, it's hard for us to argue with with your points as well. I accept that. Okay. Okay. 2020 bounce back candidate. So the, the bad thing is there are many disappointing players. The good thing is there are many candidates for bounce back candidate because there were a lot of bad players from 2019. So that to, to, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have uh, the facts of life, and I think I'm dating myself with that reference to our uh, normal viewing audience. I'll, I would venture to say maybe 15 percent. Facts of, of life, exactly. Yes, good job, Mike Chappell. Yes, I, I didn't watch say. it, but I, yes, I knew I, of it. I, I would say not not too many people knew what I was referring to there. But anyway, 2020 bounce back candidate. Uh, I kicked it off with disappointing players, so Joe's going to go first for his choice for the 2020 bounce back candidate for the Indianapolis Colts. I got to go Kamoko Torre. I, I think he would have been the breakout player of the year had he stayed healthy. Um, I think this guy's got double-digit sack potential. Um, I'm really even college. It was injuries was the biggest question with him. He has the size, athleticism. Um, Robert Mathis and Justin Houston are definitely teaching them everything, him everything that they know. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he stays healthy, I think Torre gets 10-plus sacks next year. I think that's a... It- you are you're taking a small sample size and thinking what could happen over a 16 game season. That that is optimism at its finest, and I love it, Joe. I love it. 
Um, and and I, I would I'm very much looking forward to see what Kamoko Ture can do. I also like Ture because I saw him on the streets of Philadelphia when the Colts were there. Uh, was it the preseason this year or last year when they played during the? Re- I don't I don't remember when it was, but he was like I was out there outside of Jim Stakes in, uh, in on South Street in Philly, and he was there too, like around there just getting food. So he knows the good places to go there in my go. in my home city of Philadelphia. So props to Kamoko for going to the right place for, guy, for a good so. cheesesteak. Yeah, he is a Rutgers guy. Rutgers with a big win over uh, Indiana basketball, which we don't have to discuss here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. But Mike, we're going to you with the 2020 bounce back candidate. I'll give you two, and then I'll have to figure out one of them. Paris Campbell, because, you know, stay healthy, and you're going to have right. a bounce back. You just you just will. There because, will be a bounce. Yes. Because we, we, we saw enough in the short time he was out there that if this guy stays on the field, they will find ways to use him. Mm-hmm. It's a, but it's a big if. Again, these were all – they're not freaky injuries, but they were serious injuries. My second one's T.Y. Hilton. Uh, again, injury-wise, God, he missed – was it five games? Uh, he, he missed, missed six. I think he played ten games. He, this he year. missed more games this year than he did the well, previous. He might have played eleven, but there was might have been a game where he there, didn't there get were a catch. Three, two or three games when he shouldn't have played. Yeah, yeah. I think it was he led the team with forty five catches. He had career lows, I believe, in just about everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, and and this guy is, is is we talked about that guy who's really committed to the team. He is. So I I I will say T Y uh, over Campbell just because of. Ty has earned his spurs, so I, I think if Ty can can stay on the field, and, and this isn't a injuries when you get over thirty, I, I think he'll have a big year next year. I have Ty there as well. There's a couple other players. I think Devin Funchess, if he comes back to the Colts, I mean, heck, he broke his collarbone in five places week one. There's nowhere to go but up from there. Right. Um, obviously, Adam Vinatieri, if he comes back to the Colts, which I don't think he will, that's a discussion for another time. Uh, Tyquan Lewis is a good candidate. We saw flashes from him year one, and then something was up year two, and he just never got off the ground. So he's certainly a candidate. But but T.Y. Hilton, Mike, you mentioned his all his stats being just the worst in his career. Let's run it down in his eight NFL seasons. It was 10 or 11 games he played this year. That's was, the fewest. Uh, 10 games. 10 games, the fewest in his career. 45 receptions. That's the fewest in his career. 501 receiving yards. 501. He's done half of that in one game He's before. Had a, in a couple of games against Houston, he yeah. had like 200, 200 plus yards. That's the fewest in his career in right. a season. Five touchdowns tied for the fewest. And he was on pace to, to have double-digit touchdowns. He right. just was. First like four games of the season, right. he, had, he had a bunch in there. He had two week one. Um, 11.1 yards per catch, the fewest in his career. You'd see T.Y., he's normally up 15 to 17. Because that's the well, the only, and, and the thing to say about that is he was averaging that early. Yes, so th- I think he was going to be lowest in, in his per catch for his career, regardless of the injuries. Just, I agree, just because of, and we've talked about this offense not pushing the ball down the field, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't because of Ty, it was because that's that was Jacoby Brissett. But I, I just think that Ty is poised for a, for a nice comeback. And, and the last stat I'll mention is his long reception this year was 35 yards. Ty Hilton's longest play this year, 35 yards. That is stunning to me, Joe. And I got one more. First uh, season in Ty's career that he has not had a single game 100, over 100, 100 yards. yards. Correct. Absolutely, it, it, it's ridiculous looking at how even when he was healthy early in the year. Thinking back on how he was used to me, that it's, it's his best, his best game was his first game, wasn't it? I think Week it was one, eight catches, eighty-seven yards, right. two touchdowns. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, right. Bounce back candidate, I think T.Y. Hilton um, gets the nod. Kamoko right there. I would I would love to see what a Kamoko Ture can do if he does what he did the first three, four weeks of the season over an entire 16-game schedule. What did he go with? Was it a fractured ankle? Yeah. I dislocated ankle? I know, dislocated it, ankle, I know the sure. video was bad. Because it was similar to what uh, Reese Fountain had in training camp. It was, yes, and because when our when our photographer came back from Kansas City and brought it back and ingested it into the system like he had a good shot of it just the leg kind of going back and forth there a little bit it was it was not pretty so hopefully that heals up nicely and he gets back to his form in 2020 2020 breakout player one player who could become more of a household name or become a household name at all Ashton Doolin my reference <laughs> to early in the show Did you go to Rutgers I don't I don't think I thought he went to Vanderbilt um, Maybe he played. No, no, no. no, no. Uh, Wait. I'm sorry. Did he go to Syracuse? No, he did not go to Syracuse. Did, did he ever play at Syracuse? Syracuse? I don't think so. Did he ever make a visit to Syracuse? He might have I'm just wondering. I'm wondering why you're pushing. No, man. What? He went to Malone. Malone, of course, Malone College. Yes, yeah. I don't know why. That's, I said that's Vanderbilt. just outside of uh, Syracuse, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. It might be. I have no idea where Malone. Yeah, neither is. do I. Joe, where's Malone? I am searching right now. <laughs> The, the first thing that comes up is Post Malone. Of course it is. Sam Malone was the bartender in Cheers. Uh-huh. Carl Malone played power forward for the Utah Jazz. Malone University. We, Here we go. We could go on and on. <laughs> Ashton Doolin getting more play than we thought he would in this uh, Colts. It's in Ohio. Okay. Of course it is. Yes, it would be. So 2020 breakout player. Joe, you're going to be the first to go. Uh, wait a second. Did you do bounce back? You did bounce back first. So, Mike, we're going to go with you first for uh, for breakout player. See what you got to say. And again, I think there are some possibilities. I like Naheem Hines. I just think, and and this isn't as a running back. This is, is how are they going to find ways to better utilize him as a third down guy? He's he's got the third most catches, I believe, third most catches in team history by a running back in his first two seasons. And the first two are Edron James and Marshall Falk. The problem is he's averaging seven yards a catch over his career, so I think they're going to find ways to get him in the open field and really try to make him into a game-breaker. And then we saw over the last month as a punt returner. Mm -hmm. uh, Now, one thing when you had that kind of success, people quit kicking to you, but still I I think he's going to bring something to this team. You know, It's funny, they call it hidden yardage. Nothing hidden about 197 yards against Carolina. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I would like to see them really tap into Naheem Hines and his playmaking ability, and maybe we do that next year. And his, his rookie year in the preseason, they put him back there returning punts, and he couldn't hang on to and the he dang gave him, ball. And he gave him every reason to get him out of there. Yeah, and they did. They said, yes. see you later. And finally, I don't know why they put him back in. Maybe they're like, oh, well, Chester Rogers, it, it was kind, it was kind of Chester Rogers, they lose him with a knee. Fred, That's right fractured knee or whatever it was, and then it was kind of like, who else? Right. Because Paris Campbell's gone. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of Naheem or, or, or no. But he had been what, – what he explained to us is really a good story to where even after he was yanked out of that, uh, he was still working every day on punt returns. And I can remember up at uh, Grand Park where we're, we're talking to Frank Reich there in the end zone, and the players are done, and there's Naheem Hines out there returning punts. and yep. Not returning, catching, catching. punts. Yeah. And uh, he because uh, they told him at some point you will be back out there, and mm-hmm. and he was ready for it. You're you're going to be associated with a case of fumbleitis until you're not correct. And it, one game does not shed the stigma of of what Naheem Hines was in returning punts at the beginning of his, of his career. So you say teams, if you're really good back there, will stop kicking to you. 
Well, they're going to kick to him for sure when the uh, if Naheem is out there, which we assume he will be for game one, this punt returner, until he proves, he proves over a long haul that he will hang right. on to the ball back there. there, so, there, there you, you can argue the, the, the biggest game swinger is a fumbled punt. Yeah. You've made the stop and, you, and you've gotten the defense off the field. That's 45 yards. Right. Boom. It, it, correct. So I, I think that they've got a keeper there, and this could be – you don't want to talk too much about it, but this could be a Pro Bowl-type special teams player mm-hmm. uh, from what we saw. And, and, and people say, well, you know, the Carolina Panthers had quit and all this. Nah, I'm, I'm not going to diminish what Hines did against the Panthers because it was record-setting. It, it broke like a – the Colts' previous record was like in the 50s or the 60s. Mm-hmm. So this is stu- – yeah, it, it was only three returns. Mm-hmm. And he – Darn near returned the first one for a touchdown. Yeah. So it was an epic day, and I think that was just kind of a glimpse of what this guy may bring in, the, in, that, in that role. I've got Naheem right here. Take a look. Right on my paper. I, I'm not just following Mike Chappell because he's been covering the Colts since the Mayflower vans <laughs> pulled in. I am doing it because that's what I thought, too. Mario Naheem Hines, two-punt return touchdowns versus Carolina. He showed what he can do. He showed his potential back there. He might have even saved Bubba Ventrone's job at – special teams coordinator with what he was able to do the past couple weeks of the season. Because before that, Colt special teams, you look at them, you're like, Ugh. Top to bottom. Exactly. Now, coverage was okay. Yeah. But the gla- again, were glaring problems. Yeah. It's, field goal block. When you mess up on special teams, it is just glaring. Yeah, it is. And they're, they're game-changing plays. Like you said, maybe punt return is the most uh, game-changing of the plays, the most they're kicking a field. They're changing. kicking a field goal to go ahead of Tennessee. Yep. And all of a sudden, you're down a touchdown. You're going the other way. And that's the, uh, the the image we have seared in our brains is Adam Vinatieri just staring the other way right now. And and I got to believe, like we, we mentioned And that earlier, one wasn't his fault. No, not at all. Not at all his fault. But like, I, I doubt he wants to go out like that. I Just just knowing him, the, the very little bit I know Adam Vinatieri from the discussions that I've had with him, I find it hard to believe that that's how he wants to go. He might. He might be able to settle down and be like, you know what, look over the course of a 20-plus year career and still be happy if he takes the, the long-term view. But I, I, I know that that's, that's a nasty taste in his mouth for sure, to, to when you talk, his, when if you, he would close When you career. talk competitors, I, and people sometimes dismiss place kickers because they're only out there, what, five, six, seven times a game. Yep. But when it comes to competitors, you know, you hear about guys who want who want to beat your ass whether you're on the football field, or checkers, or mm-hmm. or, or or check, whatever. Go fish, or or, or, or the corn <laughs> cornhole games, and, and he's one of those. And if if he can come back and play at a high level, I think he wants to do that. Now, who gives him the chance? I don't know. I have a great story about about that and go fish. I was uh, in my first job out of college. I was in Bozeman, Montana. I was covering Montana State football. And uh, they had a kid on that team, Dane Fletcher, who was a defensive end, who actually ended up playing linebacker for the New England Patriots for a little while. He was a heck of a player. Um, but they were they were playing Northern Colorado one week, Montana State was. And, and Northern Colorado was not a great team at the time. And Montana State was pretty good. And Montana State's still pretty good. I think they were in the uh, semifinals or the quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs. But never that, that's neither here nor there. The story is they're playing Northern Colorado – and Dane Dane's quote was something like, "We don't think they should beat us in anything. They shouldn't even beat us in go fish." <laughs> so it, it was it was a fantastic quote. Yes. And then he goes out like he gets a sack in the game and like starts <laughs> dealing cards. 
Oh, it was the best. I loved it. He goes out, and then he actually he he got a fifteen yard penalty for that. Which I was like, "Come on, man! You're 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 going like this. You're doing a car dealing motion. There are many worse things you can do out there to get a penalty." But that that's my uh, that's my competitive story. We like we, we, they shouldn't even beat us in go fish. Is right. my Dane Fletcher primary memory. Um, so, uh, Joe, we're, we haven't gotten to your breakout player yet. Who do you think could be a breakout player for the Colts in 2020? I got to go Rocky Sin. I think all the snaps and experience. I mean, he played more snaps than anyone else on defense for the Colts. And as a rookie, that's huge. I mean, I've said before, corner is one of the hardest positions to transition from college to the NFL. He has the toughness mentally and physically, but you know, mentally to forget the lumps he suffered over the season. And I think he's going to get to work over the offseason, work on technique, work on a lot of things, and come back and really establish himself as one of the better players on this Colts team next year. They, they put they put him out there and said, swim. Mm-hmm. They, they said play, and, and they played a lot more man-to-man than maybe he they expected to or that he expected to, and it was a big transition. Uh I, again, I think that he, he he led the team in penalties. I believe with was it was it eight? Maybe it was six. And, he, and he had like, four, like nine. But well, he he was called for nine. That's what it was. Okay. He was called for nine. Eight were accepted, but like four came in the one game. I think it was Denver against uh, Cortland Sutton. Sutton. So so I, I I do. And again, that's a position that you, you for, for fifty seven plays, you're you're just spot on. And then you have three against an elite player, and and you look like trash. So I, I think I agree with. I, I'm I'm going to stick with Hines, but I like what I saw the the resilience of of you seen in not getting too down on it. And if, at that position, uh, you have to have the short memory and move on and. I just think this kid's got a really bright future. We're not supposed to root for players as members of the media. I, I really like Rock Yassine a lot. I think he, he's because he, he's a great interview. After that game against Denver, he was very gracious and talking to me afterward, just going through kind of what happened. Um, and he was like, he, he sounded like he could talk about it. He wasn't just right. sullen in his locker about it. You could tell he was disappointed for sure, but. Like he could turn around and be a professional there. And, it's about accountability. Yeah, don't make a don't make excuses. Yeah, I had a bad game, and yeah. and, and maybe this is why. So I, I like that, and, we, and we've seen guys come in here with, with with high expectations, and they throw them out there, and and they just can't handle it. Mm-hmm. But I go back to the other side to where they bring guys in here, and they're just the game is not too big for them. They're ready for it. I go back to the Antoine Bethes. I go back to Gerard Powers. From the first day they get here, you think, yeah, this guy's got this guy gets it. He he'll be the long term answer. So I think this guy's got a bright future. But I still I'm still gonna stick with Hines because I like offense over defense. All right, Naheem Hines gets the award. There we go. I'm gonna mention a couple more players. But you yes, getting tired we- of getting outvoted? Or is that just kind of your life? We'll see who's right by next season. <laughs> yeah, know? right. Joe's just taking notes right now. <laughs> right. Going to bring this down. Yeah, yeah he's, he's kind of pounding us on Vinatieri, isn't he? He, <laughs> he? he will have many grievances against us next year. The most disappointing Colts Blue Zone podcast member. Who is it, Mike <laughs> Chappell or Dave Griffiths? We'll, we'll, we'll wait to find out. Um, but I'll, I'll mention a few more. I like Marvell Tell as a potential breakout player. I think he'll improve uh, another year as a cornerback. Very um, athletic. Very. And, and, and he, was, he showed promise. He was a, he, and he was a transitional player. Yep. So I, I, I think if they throw him out there a little bit more, which I expect them to, he'll – Joe? All the 
you know, we keep talking about all these rookies who are all on defense. Yep. I mean, the future of the defense looks bright as mm-hmm. long as they can get the D-line in order. And uh, and right to that, rookie on the defensive line, Ben Banigou. Depending on whether Jabal Sheard is signed again for next year or not, Ben Banigou could be a starter on the defensive line next year for the Colts. So he's a potential breakout player. Uh, the Colts signed Mo Alley-Cox to a one-year deal. Um, I don't think that he's going to be a breakout guy. but I, I don't think it'll him. have been a position to have the numbers to be a breakout right. player, just just because of what he is. He's more of a complimentary player. And, and I think he had an opportunity to at least take a step forward at the end of this year when Mo, uh, when Eric Ebron was out, and he really I didn't see anything too much more from him. So I, I doubt that he's a breakout player, but I'll mention him just because he's a guy the Colts signed, and hey, maybe they're looking at him. And finally is Chase McLaughlin down there as kicker. I, I expect him to be the Colts kicker next year, not Adam Vinatieri. We can get into more free agents next week, even though we had it on the docket for potentially this week, because well, where does the, where's the time go? We just start talking about uh, Joe's hatred of Adam Vinatieri, and all of a sudden <laughs> we're, 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 on to the, we're on to the next week. That joke will never die. It, it, will, it will not. <laughs> it will not. But those are our, our awards for this year. Uh, offensive Player of the Year goes to Marlon Mack. Defensive Player of the Year, Darius Leonard. Rookie of the Year is Kari Willis. Most Improved Player, we went with Zach Paschal. Most Disappointing Player, Eric Ebron. The slight edge over Joe's favorite, Adam Vinatieri. Uh, 2020 Bounce Back Candidate goes to T.Y. Hilton. And 2020 Breakout Player, perhaps, to Naheem Hines. We could have done another one. We could have had 2020 Oh, He's Back, Ho-Hum Player. Oh, he's back ho-hum. Let's see. Jack Doyle. <laughs> he's, ju- he's just... He's just Jack. He's just Jack, and, and that is meant as a, as a total compliment. <laughs> I always joke with the guys in the press room that Jack is Jack 7.9 yards per reception Doyle. Doyle yeah. That's what you want. And, and there are so many players you need that are difference makers, that are, that are the splash players like we talked about. Mm-hmm. And, and Jack doesn't give you that. He, he, you know, what's his long reception? I don't know, thirty yards. I, I don't know. Maybe. But, but you want guys. You need X number of players on your roster who simply are there and they do their job at a high level. And Jack Doyle is a guy that sometimes people overlook, and he just does his job. He's got a Pro Bowl on his roster or on his resume. So I. I want, at least wanted to get Jack some some props today. Longest reception of Jack Doyle's career, twenty six yards. There Oof. we go. What's he what, what's he averaging for his career? Nine. See, see that's that's my point. So, <laughs> and that's not meant as a as a criticism. It's nope. just that the, the league, yes, it's about splash plays, but outside of that, it's about move the chains. It's about move the chains, guys, and that's what that's what Jack Doyle does. We'll close things out with a brief look at the AFC South. The Titans beat the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore in the AFC divisional round of the playoffs, twenty-eight to twelve. How about that? Tennessee visits the two-seed Kansas City Chiefs, three oh five p.m. Sunday broadcast in Central Indiana on CBS Four. The Texans looked great out of the gates, twenty-four nothing. I'm sitting there, and how in the hell do you lead twenty-four to nothing? And you trail at the half. That's amazing. Uh, and the other thing that's amazing, speaking of the Titans, hasn't Ryan Tannehill thrown for less than 100 yards in each of these first two games? I know he threw for, I think, 88 in that. I think I think then the, the next one as well. And that's because Derrick Henry is just taking the manhood of teams. From anybody. From anybody right. in his way. My yep. goodness. And that would be really interesting. He's a free agent. Do the Titans want to pay him up after this? Tannehill or Henry? 
Henry. Yes. Well, both Tannehill, Tannehill and Henry. Ooh. So they can only franchise one. They got to. Well, again, we, we, it, the last year of the CBA, you can you can use both the franchise and the transition tag. Uh, so, so you can do that, and, and we could almost do a whole a whole podcast on how do you handle Ryan Tannehill and Jameis Winston. Do, do, do you reward – it's more Tannehill. Do you reward him for what he did long-term? Mm-hmm. Or do you say, you know, I'd like to see it again. But I didn't know – I guess I'd forgotten that Derrick Henry was also a free agent. He's going to be the highest-paid running back in the NFL if he gets a long-term contract, you would expect. I would expect, at least. The one thing that might hold him back is he's not very prolific, or at least they don't use him a lot in the passing game. Right. So, he only gets you 180 yards rushing, though. That's yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's a, I think I saw it was a, he's the first player with three straight games of at least 180 yards. Yeah. I mean, rushing. W- that's ever. You know, back back in the Jim Browns and, and all this. Where'd Jim Brown go to school? Yeah, I know. <laughs> somewhere. In, somewhere. Yeah. It's serious. Before we close, I want you guys' picks on the games this weekend. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Uh, Tennessee and Kansas City. I'm going Kansas City in that game. Uh, I think the Chiefs are rolling right now. They were a uh, a official's call for making the Super Bowl last year, and I think they are able to finally at least slow down the monster that is Derrick Henry. And in the NFC, oh boy, that the Packers have been below the radar all year, like all year long. And they just went 13 and three or 12 and four, whatever. I think it was 13 and three. It was. Yeah. And like all the attention has been on San Francisco. All the attention has been on how bad the NFC East was like the pack. I didn't hear anybody like ever talk about the Packers and here they are in, in the NFC championship. So you're taking them. I, I will take the Packers after all that, saying that. I, I'll, I'll, I'll lean toward the Packers and Aaron Rodgers in this game over Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Jimmy gained some valuable experience this year, and that San Francisco team is going to be dangerous in years to come. I'll take the Chiefs again because I think as much as Derrick Henry can dominate and, and, and take over a game, if they get behind, I don't know how. Then I want to see if Tannehill can be the guy that he was most of the season. But I, I think – I think the Chiefs are a real, and they're getting their getting their A game, and their defense is playing better. And you look at that Frisco. I, I love that Frisco defense. I, do too, I think man. they're gonna, I think they're going to swarm Aaron Rodgers. So I'm, I'm going Frisco and in the Chiefs. The Joe Montana Bowl for, yes. for my chapel. Yes, Joe. What What do you think is going to happen? I'll take the Chiefs. Um, I think the harder one, I have a you know harder decision picking is the Packers or 49ers. I'm going to go Packers. I think, you know, like you said, Rodgers over Garoppolo, because that Packers defense is doing a great job of getting pressure on the quarterback mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'll go with the Packers, but that one's really close. It's in San Francisco. I'm not sure that's a huge home field advantage there. So I'll go Green Bay and Kansas City in the Super Bowl, and that'll be a fun one to watch. Super Bowl this year will be broadcast in central Indiana right on Fox. 59. That is the Colts Blue Zone podcast for this week. For Mike Chappell, he is at mchappell51. I am Dave Griffiths. That's at DaveG underscore sports on Twitter. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. You can follow all of us in the Colts Blue Zone podcast at Colts Blue Zone as well. Make sure to download, subscribe, so you get this delivered to your podcast listening device week after week. We thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. 